Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This last summer, I was totally enthralled by the audiobook Blood, Sweat, and Chrome by Kyle Buchanan. The book is about the rigors of filming Mad Max, Fury Road. I'm a big fan of the Mad Max movies, so I still can't believe I almost passed on listening to the book just because I read a few reviews that came down hard on the Australian accents of the book narrators. Had I followed these snobbish reviews and my own snobbery, I would have deprived myself of an awesome filmmaking story that is almost as good as Fury Road itself. Now, just because I can't tell an Australian accent from a New Zealand one doesn't mean I'm tone-deaf to all accents. I think I'm pretty good at picking up on the authenticity of Spanish accents. Because I grew up in a predominantly Spanish section of Brooklyn, it isn't hard for me to differentiate between an Argentinian accent and a Dominican one. That being the case, I think I can tell when someone's faking the Spanish accent. The question is, do I let it get in the way of my entertainment pleasure? Absolutely not. Had I been a stickler for good Spanish accents in movies, I would have kept myself from enjoying Al Pacino and Scarface, Al Pacino in Carlito's Way, or Al Pacino in 1985's Revolution. He doesn't play Spanish in that one, but his British accent is straight out of Brooklyn. Who cares, right? Pacino's a great actor, and his Tony Montana will forever be unrivaled as one of the best cinematic antiheroes of all time. Now, to be fair, I am not Cuban-American, but I know many Cuban-Americans hated the way thousands of Cuban political refugees were painted as criminals in Scarface, and how the only real-life Cuban in the cast was Stephen Bauer, who played Tony Montana's sidekick-slash-brother-in-law Manny. The rest of the cast members, including Pacino, were Italian-American playing Cuban. To boot, Al Pacino speaks one line of Spanish throughout the entire movie, even though Spanish is supposed to be Tony's native language. Hey, I get it. There is a lot to be angry about in Scarface. Pacino's accent is the least of the issues in contention. Hollywood movies are rife with stereotypes of all kinds. Fixing the problem is a tall order. Who knows if it can ever be accomplished? Again, the question comes up, do I let it get in the way of my entertainment? Absolutely not. Had I been anti-stereotyping, I would have kept myself from enjoying Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, one of the greatest wrestling heels of all time. We lost Scott Hall this year on March 14, 2022. He was 63 years old when he died in Marietta, Georgia. He died from hip replacement complications that led to three heart attacks and put him on a life support machine over the course of a weekend. As stated in the New York Times, the WWE called Mr. Hall a hugely influential superstar in an official statement they released upon news of his death.
The WWE got it right. Scott Hall was hugely influential. He came to prominence at a time when other future stars were on the rise, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Undertaker, to name a few. Scott Hall's Razor Ramon character was based on Al Pacino's Tony Montana, even though the two characters did not really resemble each other at all. Razor Ramon had slick back hair and gold chains around his neck. He was also six foot seven and 287 pounds, the kind of measurements that might have made Tony Montana piss his pants. Razor Ramon was no joke. And yet he was a joke. Because despite the bad Spanish accent, and it was bad, and the silly toothpick he kept at the side of his mouth or at the side of his ear sometimes, Razor knew that you knew whom he was portraying, that we were all in on the joke. And damn if Razor Ramon wasn't funny. All you have to do is look at some of the promo skits where he acted like an arrogant jerk. My favorite among these was the restaurant skit. And it went like this. Nothing's too good for Razor Ramon. Good food. Good drink. Good chicas. Except some people in the WWF, they've been putting Razor down. Saying Razor's not good enough. What do they think? That I'm some kind of pig? That I'm some kind of animal? Well, when they meet the racer, we want to be very afraid. Hey, what is this? This is your beard, Senor Racer. What's next, man? You want me to mop up the floor for you? You want me to mop up your floor? Maybe I can mop up your floor for you, Chico. Or maybe I can wash your dishes in the back. You like that, Chico? You want me to go in the back and wash your dishes? Come here, man. I'll tell you what. You want me to pick your food from your teeth with my toothpick? Huh? Maybe I could do that. Huh? What's next? Maybe I can bust a table for you. You want me to bust a table for you, man? You want me to clear the table for you? This promo is hysterical. Reminiscent of the Scarface, second night to the bad guy, restaurant scene. I've watched it so many times, and it always makes me laugh. My brother Ronnie sent me this promo when he heard of Scott Hall's death. For some reason, I'm always the last to know about celebrity deaths. As far as I can tell, Scott Oliver Hall wasn't of Spanish ancestry. But he was as swarthy as any Spanish person I knew growing up, including my leather and denim-wearing motorcycle club cousins from Perth Amboy. This added Latin credibility to his Latin-based character. Kevin Nash or Rick Rude could not have gotten away with playing a razor-like character with their complexions. Somebody must have recognized this in Mr. Hall and approved of the believability. Wrestling lore has it Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson were the first true believers in Razor Ramon. Apparently they weren't in on Scott Hall's Scarface references because they hadn't seen the movie. McMahon and Patterson thought Scott Hall was inventing all the Razor Ramon character traits out of thin air. Naturally, they assumed Scott Hall was some kind of genius. 
Well, Scott Hall was some kind of genius, not just with his cool skits and his funny promos, but also with his wrestling prowess, because this guy was the real deal if there ever was one. Scott Hall was a four-time WWE Intercontinental Champion, an unprecedented achievement at the time. Some of his best wrestling bouts were ladder matches. One of those matches was a contest to grab the championship belt hung high above the ring, using a ladder against Shawn Michaels. This was at a time when ladder matches were virtually unheard of in the WWE. The Michaels versus Ramon matches were considered some of the best in wrestling history. Razor Ramon never became a world champion in the WWE, but he is generally considered one of the greatest intercontinental champions of the 1990s. From the start of his career at the WWE, Ramon fought some of the best talent the WWE had to offer. He fought Randy Savage, Mr. Perfect, Tito Santana, Bob Backlund, and Bret Hart. And those are just a few of the memorable stars Ramon fought. There were so many more. In 1996, Scott Hall, having dropped the Razor Ramon moniker, returned to his earlier stomping grounds in the WCW as himself. Originally billed as one half of the Outsiders, Hall and his WWE compatriot Kevin Nash hatched a plan to take over the WCW. The invasion plotline gathered a lot of traction, upping the ante of the television ratings war for pro wrestling in general. Even Hulk Hogan got in on the act, as he too joined Hall and Nash to become the third largest member of the New World Order, a.k.a. the NWO. For the first time in a long time, Hulk Hogan turned heel. The defection left a lot of longtime Hogan fans devastated. It left them feeling like America had fallen to communism. The New World Order was a brilliant plotline, but like a dragon eating its own tail, it soon fell victim to its own avarice appetite. Week after week, the New World Order was swallowing up more and more wrestlers, leaving little to no resistance. Eventually, even Hall and Nash began to fade into the background, and like arsonists firebombing their brand new home, all they could do was stand by the sidelines and watch the place go down in flames. Scott Hall was going down in flames too. He was struggling with drug and alcohol abuse, entering rehab at least a dozen times during his career. In a case of art imitating life, Hall's alcoholism even became a story angle during the WCW Monday Night Nitro telecasts. Whether it was done to embarrass him into cleaning up his act or not is questionable, but it smacked of exploitation. Playing up the drunken angle in a match with Lex Luger on a 1998 Nitro telecast, Scott Hall took a long swig of what was supposed to be alcohol from a paper cup at ringside and threw up all over a very concerned Eric Bischoff. Gross, and not at all funny. It's hard to believe anyone thought this storyline could go anywhere positive or make the fans clamor for more. I can't imagine a TV show using a cast member's real-life addiction as part of an ongoing storyline, 
unless it's some sort of uh, reality TV show. Maybe it's been done since, but it doesn't make it any less disgraceful. You can tell from this telecast that Kevin Nash and a lot of the other wrestlers that were ringside with Razor Ramon were embarrassed by the display. Even though it was just a storyline, there was something sad about what was going on in that ring. Scott Hall needed help with his substance abuse problem, not a good public shaman. In 2014, Scott Hall was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame for his work as Razor Ramon. In 2020, he was inducted for his work as a member of the NWO. That's two inductions for two amazing contributions. Contributions that elevated wrestling to the next level. You have to wonder why certain wrestlers choose the personas they do when it's their brainchild. Did Scott Hall see himself as the bad guy in the Scarface restaurant scene, drunk and bloated with success, telling the elites around him where to stuff it? Did he see himself as the cool kid class cut-up who secretly ruled the classroom with his best buddy, Kevin Nash? Scott Hall was both of those characters, the way we are all so many different personas when our varying situations call for it, until the lines blur, and we can't differentiate one persona from another. And if things get that fuzzy, that blurry, just sit back and enjoy it. It's kind of like knowing the difference between an Australian accent and a New Zealand one. Now that's fine for you if you can do that, but I'm not going to let it get in the way of a good story or character. And maybe neither should you. Scott Hall's 2014 induction speech ended with these words. In my lifetime, I've learned that hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. But bad guys, bad guys do. Thank you. Thank you, wrestling fans all over the world. Good night. Now it's my turn to say good night to the bad guy. Good night, Scott Hall. Rest in peace. You were truly one of the greatest. You've been listening to Wrestling with Heels On. Join me next time as we take another stroll down Villainy Lane, only on the Sports History Network. Huh, what's next? Maybe I can bust a table for you. You want me to bust a table for you, man? You want me to clear the table for you? Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already... We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mork here, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. 
Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.